I'm going to have to put a caution a time spider for spoilers <laughs> incoming <laughs> note at the beginning of this. I did just start recording. Oh, okay. Well, then not, not a big deal. Spider-Man dies in Spider-Man. Spoiler. <laughs> All of the Spider-Mans. I enjoyed the movie for, for what it was, but the fact that it wasn't a full standalone movie, you know, diminishes it a little bit in my eyes and the first spider-verse movie continues to be like pretty much my favorite movie ever and i think it was like perfectly composed and paced and and the ending was perfect and it was a fully self-contained story because they didn't know if they were going to get to make another one or whatever and this one didn't quite have the tight just writing a character the, the characterization was good but the the obviously they were just like yeah we can make a five-hour movie so we're gonna and yeah. i think that leads to some excesses even like dune the like part one of dune felt like it had an ending that didn't yeah i honestly don't remember part one of dune very well (laughs) (laughs) a new one's coming out soon i i didn't pay as close attention to it as i should have because i was playing breath of the wild while watching it so probably i will not pay as close attention as i should to this one because i'll be playing tears of the kingdom while watching it just come full circle yeah that's called poetry so i'll half understand (laughs) dune Link is kind of just like the Paul Atreides of Zelda, if you think about it. I don't think that that's true at all. Wait, isn't Zelda the Paul Atreides of Zelda? Oh, yeah, maybe. Does Link not do a genocide of the hobo ho- hobo goblins or whatever? <laughs> he does do a lot of genocides in this game. It's <laughs> a hoboklin. The, the joke... The joke of about Tears of the Kingdom being like a war crimes simulator is like actually <laughs> true. Why is that? I haven't played any of it. It carries over pretty much everything from Breath of the Wild, like the the whole gigantic world with like a ton of different exploration stuff and lots of neat little physics interactions and things. Like if you put a ruby, like a fire gem on your weapon, then it keeps you warm when it's too cold and, and you don't necessarily, you know, just like lots of little cute things work together and it's fun. But the main thing that they introduced is like building things. You get the power to pick things up and stick them to other things. And then there are all these little devices that you can do to make machines that run. And that that's the main thing. And it's incredibly open-ended. And so if you just like go on YouTube or TikTok and watch Tears of the Kingdom videos, you will see people that have built tanks and mechs and autonomous robots with giant penises. And most of them have like, you know, like you know, the robots might have hands with like a spinning thing with a bunch of lasers on them. And so they have like Gatling laser hands and they're just doing war crimes to the Bokoblins. If I was going to have a war crime happen to me, I would want it to be from a robot with a massive penis that shoots rockets. I think there's more videos of robots with penises than robots without penises. So where are the robots without penises? Give us robots with pussies. <laughs> <laughs> full representation along the full robot gender spectrum. We've had non non-binary, non-binary robots for years. Actually, it's not even true. They're all binary, right? Yeah, they're all Ooh. they're all ladies that <laughs> have like robot boobs. <laughs> <laughs> like like the maid from uh, the Jetsons. The, yeah, the Jetsons. Thank you. I do think there's actually more like anthropomorphic sexy robots in pop culture than just like genderless squares i'm not on the right kind of subreddits apparently (laughs) (laughs) i mean a lot of the best robot movies deal with like 
would you fuck a robot? Yeah, her like ex, ex, ex machina. Yeah. Ex machina. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about that. And then there's like Nier Automata, whatever video game mm-hmm. series. I was on a podcast that's all about like um, ascribing like a trans lens onto non-trans films. So I went on and I talked about how Ex Machina was my like trans awakening, seeing it in theaters, seeing mm. her like put the like skin on and like mm. look at her like new body or whatever. That movie's a masterpiece. That's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Also, o- Oscar Isaac dancing, so hot. <laughs> it's it's hard for me to like appreciate because it's so sinister too, and that that like really takes away from it for my like appreciation of it because the character is just like so awful. Well, the sinisterness makes it makes it hotter if, if for yeah, some people. If, <laughs> <into that. laughs> if, if you a freak, not to name my own name. <laughs> not to call myself out here a, a source close to jesse says that who wish to remain anonymous yeah <laughs> hey everyone welcome to episode 296 of the mtg grindcast the spikiest podcast in all of central north carolina we're your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Hi, Chris. And joining us is Jesse Robkin, aka at Titty Pills. Jesse, how's it going? It's going well. Going well. Can't complain, but I'll, I'll try anyway. Yeah, we're gonna. There, it's truly, this is the one week in magic. There's nothing to complain about. This is the one. We found it. <laughs> Amazing. They said <laughs> it couldn't be happens. done. No, just kidding. We have lots of like Lord of the Rings criticisms and bad beat stories from the RC and also newly announced huge GP in Las Vegas like hours ago. Huey announced it. Yeah, that's true. That should make the topic list. I made the the show notes this morning and this tournament didn't exist then, so it's not on the not on the Google Doc. The Google Docket. Yeah, it's, it's not on that either. <laughs> <laughs> Today I figured we would talk about pioneer results we have a a gajillion different events including a bunch of rcs and some other various tournaments a big old magic online super qualifier in addition to all of the regional championships so a ton of pioneer stuff just like new decks popped up out of that like you know flowers after a rainstorm i've been doing a lot of gardening lately so i'm crying a little bit from that metaphor Mm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> we have our tomatoes are doing really good and we're very excited about that um then we got lord of the rings cards and yeah we should probably also talk about the not gp las vegas at at magic con vegas anybody want to start with anything in particular should we just hit the pioneer results and, and go from there or has anybody been really sitting on something they want to talk about we should hit the pioneer results because i'm so interested what the tomato is in your analogy and pioneer I the tomato was just my example of like why I, I'm thinking about plants a lot is because we have tomatoes and it's nice and I can't wait to eat them. I think the tomato the tomatoes Boros convoke. Wait, but splash. CCR's tomatoes are good. Oh, it's fair. I was just imagining like us a, a like crushed splatted tomato like a stockades <laughs> thrones tomato. I mean, convoked actually did better than I thought it would. It was like oh, yeah, almost it was reached fifty percent. It's like an actual deck. It's just. You know, it did win in RC, correct? Yes. So it had a weird results because we we didn't have an episode last week, and that was when Dallas and 
uh, Toronto was Mm -hmm. and a couple of other ones that I don't remember exactly, but Convoke basically just did terribly at all of those events, not really showing up that much. And then it won an RC this weekend. Surprising me. I think that like for the weekend of Dallas and uh, Toronto, people were still running some amount of like, you know, okay, I'll, I'll switch one of my rending volleys to a sweeper and I'll put one more sweeper in in the sideboard. And if like everybody just has two things that they're bringing in that they wouldn't otherwise, then you're going to lose a bunch of percentage points. And then if the next week people don't feel like that matters, then you gain a few percentage points. And I think it's just another completely acceptable deck in Pioneer that you hope to catch the the weekend catch it on a weekend where people are not gunning for it i saw a take that i kind of agreed with that um i think it was from chris patello that was like uh the the diversity of pioneer is a sign that it's not fun not that it is fun because it's just a bunch of like ships passing in the night there's no incentive to like interact because there's so many decks you can't really build a deck that can profitably interact with everything but like that's like that was like a good sort of nutshell on why people have been complaining about the format I, I do feel like that's true to some extent. Like now in my uh, quest for the is it deck that I want to play, I'm like leaning more towards like decks that do some like really unstoppable proactive thing rather than like cast a lot of make disappears and, and other interactive stuff. Because, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little more about is it, but I, I definitely felt like people were a little more ready for the interaction suite. And if you're trying to play a long game and they know like exactly what your good blue and red cards are, people were like kind of more ready for it. But that said, like, can I can I interrupt that to also respond to Jesse? Yeah. Or I guess Chris is. No, this case. I'm, we're good. Thanks, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I, I agree with it, but it's also kind of just how formats work. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the diagnosis is a little not going far enough like i do agree that the best thing you can do is build your own like proactive strategy and go at it because that's what cards are putting you in the direction to do modern was like that for a really long time right like uh, and the only thing that broke that up was just printing a million free spells, interactive yeah. spells and banning all the un like all the degenerate stuff through the modern horizon stuff so the to me the problem with pioneer is the i don't think the diversity in itself is a bad thing it's that the interaction scope is so so limited you basically got thoughtsies and that's it uh that you're just not afforded the ability to like do anything but linear stuff a lot of the time i I think probably the the blue white field deck is a an embrace of that concept entirely it's like a, a control deck but instead of interacting with anything it's just like i'm gonna play seven plus main deck sweepers and make as much mana as i can and cast the biggest things that i can and draw a million cards and i'm not gonna like like yeah if you're doing something sideways you're gonna kill me but as long as my sweepers work and my card advantage works then you know i have this like massive inevitability doing the most powerful thing that it possibly can rather than trying to eke out edges with like I put four shark typhoons in my deck and I'll make a one, one. And then later I'll make a three, three and I'll like trade one card for one card. It's like, I'm not playing that kind of game. I'm just going to smash like giant spells into you. I know we'll probably talk about it more later, but I think that deck might be really good because it, it does the thing that I feel like creativity does where when piloting it, you're like, this is the most clunky, like 
horrible pile of cards I've ever piloted. And then it's like, oh, I just 2 owed this person. Like, how did I do that? Like, you just like win easily while while your game plan just feels just like abysmal. I don't know. I think that's like a sign that there's like the deck might actually be really good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's also a level of it being kind of newish, but also like like people have been playing against it a lot because it was the only thing in leagues for a couple of days after it burst onto the scene. So people are probably used to playing against it now. Yeah, no, it is like kind of weird, though, because I feel like several new decks emerged. It's hard for me to say that like now Pioneer is a bad format because it has all of these decks and there's no way to prepare for all of them. I, I don't know. It's still fun. You don't know what you're going to play no, against. I think, I think Pioneer is better than it was like oh, three yeah. months ago when it was the exact same, but there were people were playing fewer decks because mm-hmm. there were fewer big tournaments going on. I like Pioneer. I, I It's a bold take, I know, but I did tweet it right before the RC and I still feel that way. But I do think I like empathize with like the criticisms of the two ships passing the night things. But I actually like the format better than Modern right now. Modern is just such a sludge fest. I think my main, like, the thing that, that knocks me around about Pioneer the most is less the two ships passing in the night thing and more the matchup lottery thing because there's some pretty egregious matchup spreads in the format. It's so funny looking at Karuga Fires' matchup spread and it's like 0%, 100%, 0 100%, 100%. <laughs> yes. Why do you just flip coins? <laughs> Uh, congratulations to Elliot Raff, by the way, for absolutely oh, yeah. <laughs> running the table at Dallas with, you know, the Seeker was just putting the third seven drop in the Fires deck, I guess. And not the ones you would expect, but just get get those seven drops in there. Yeah, I did a little bit of working with Elliot because I was considering Kruga Fires for a little bit. Uh, and I I pushed back against cutting the Agent of Treachery for the Dragonlord Remoka in the main um, or maybe it was the coma that was the direct swap, but it was Atarka, right? That he had. Oh yeah, Atarka, not not Dramoka. He he basically cut both uh, Agent of Treachery and um, Titan of Industry for Atarka and Coma, and turns out he was right. Scoreboard, scoreboard. Uh, I guess. I mean, obviously, you know, his his deck was constructed well for the tournament and he played well and if you look at his twitter thread recounting his day one it goes like so which is what you want to see when you're playing kruga fires he said to me after the first round i want to play rakdos all day and then he did so i guess shout out to him for manifesting that for himself yeah make it happen this it's the secret really really proving uh david rude's tweet of should you ignore a deck that's four percent of the metagame yeah of course yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> if you just don't believe that spirits is real then it can't hurt you i mean they're ghosts ghosts aren't real we all know yeah, that. exactly spirits did do well this weekend though or you know the past couple of weekends i i'm probably going to keep saying this weekend because that's out of habit but you know it's just it means the last 10 tournaments that were happened in the past two weeks I feel like the format flipped what was required to be successful in the format was almost flipped on its head from kind of what I thought, like my goal going into a pioneer tournament is be advantaged against Rakdos and have a plan against everything else. But it actually turns out that like, if you can massage your matchup spreads in such a way that like, yeah, spirits is behind against Rakdos, but you're way ahead against other decks that you might play against, then that can be good enough that like, yeah, sure, you'll lose to Rakdos, 
but you crush all of the four color deck or all of the five color decks and you have plans for lots of other stuff and you just have these like massive massive win rates against that part of the field that makes up for being you know a five to ten percent dog against Rakdos even though it's that's a, a sizable part of the field like your massive win rates against the other parts like make up for that and probably should have paid more attention to that concept going in like my my prep basically included like if i feel bad against rakdos i'm not playing this deck and that was wrong i was not right about that i also what was interesting is that spirits didn't do that badly against rakdos it was like a 47 48 matchup or something yeah. like that i do think that a lot of people myself included shared that sentiment going into the thing I know multiple teams that said we just immediately discounted spirits because we were like, it's bad against Rakdos. And so it was just this massive hole in everybody's testing. And then all of a sudden the deck did great. I talked to Ross at the beginning of the tournament who played spirits and he was like, uh, my goal is to play Rakdos twice and beat it once. Uh, and then he wound up playing it twice in the first like three rounds and beating it twice. So it's just like, oh, I guess like maybe Winning, this deck yeah. was just actually good. Yeah, I think one of the takeaways for the Rakdos deck, which I've, I think may have said before, is that you're, the Rakdos deck isn't ever crushing anything. Like, you're not getting those 100% Karuga or Lotus Field type matchups with Rakdos. You're, like, never going to get more than 60% on any matchup, right? So it's not the end of the world, especially when, like, this past few weekends, people were, like, a little down on Rakdos or more up on Rakdos Sacrifice. It's not, like, the end of the world to just play a deck that you know you're on the bad side of the 40 percent i i will say i'm more skeptical of spirits is staying power than i am sacrifices staying power i think the racto sack deck i think is just busted i think it's just like a, one of the best decks in the format and is the most like is much more resilient it gets to play the thoughtsies you know it gets to like have the grindy game plan it plays the best card in the format in fable and it has a great racto's matchup uh, it's a lot harder, I think, also to hate out. Like, you know, Brotherhood's End is good against them, but there's not a ton. Like, Graveyard, they don't really care that much about Graveyard Hate. So I think that that's the deck that, like, long-term has a better chance of being great, whereas Spirits, I think, will have a similar thing to Convoke, where, like, if people... Because if people are swapping to, like, the clunky sweepers, then all of a sudden Spirits gets a lot better because they're trying to, like, beat Convoke or whatever. But then if people come back to playing a ton of spot removal, then maybe Spirits goes on the decline but convoke comes back up yeah i rakdos sacrifice is a thing that like we barely even talked about and then like a couple of days before the tournament like we realized like oh shoot like sacrifice is really good isn't it it's just like an excellent deck and i don't know like how this just sort of like manifested itself and how we were not like sacrifice didn't really exist in the format before I like, you know, obviously it's popped up at times in history, but a couple of weeks ago, there really wasn't any sacrifice running around. And then kind of everybody realized all at once, like, oh, this is good. It like it beats Rakdos. It has shots against like lots of stuff. It has really good matchups against certain things like spirits. And it's its spread is just overall very strong. It's it has a similar matchup spread to Rakdos. But then given the composition of the field, we expect like just like is better, like it, the numbers worked out better for it and the obviously like the core power level of the deck mayhem devil cat oven deadly dispute are just like really good cards yeah chabaraki went some crazy second place in the first pioneer challenge you played in with with uh sacrifice 
uh, undefeated until the finals, then played in the next challenge the next day with the same sacrifice deck, mm-hmm. went undefeated again, got to the finals, and then won. So it went like, I don't know, like 16 and one or some 17 and one <laughs> or something crazy like that. And he does offer coaching with it. So, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, in Dallas with uh, Will Pulliam, who played sacrifice and he qualified with it. So I got to hear a lot about just like why the deck sort of works. And you just see so many cards. You can do things like put two damping spheres in your sideboard and all of a sudden not be like unreasonable against Lotus, which would naturally be sort of the, your worst matchup. So like between that and then your your strong plan against all of the fair decks, you just have you cover a huge swath of the field uh, with positive matchups. Yeah, it, it's worth noting you didn't mention it while you were going over the cards in the deck CCR, but claim the firstborn is mm-hmm. an absolutely incredible tool for this sacrifice deck against anything trying to play remotely a creature game plan. <laughs> it's just like your win percentage skyrockets. Yeah, I watched a match. Draw it. Uh, I think a match from Athens uh, where Christian Calcano was playing mid-range against Sacrifice. And his Sacrifice opponent really was like barely hanging on the in the game. And Christian had, you know, done the thing where he like disrupted him and got a shieldred in play. And then like thought seized him and saw claim Coligan's command and thought for a minute and took Coligan's command. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like claim is the thing. And then his opponent like, was able to claim and sacrifice to Deadly Dispute and then claim and sacrifice to something else. And the game had turned around completely in a way that like only a card like that can do. It's it's, it's an incredible card. I think the deck also for a lot of teams uh, had the Spirits effect where everyone just assumed Spirits had a bad matchup against Rakdos. Similarly, everyone's like, well, Rakdos sacrifice is just terrible against Mono Green. But as it turns out, apparently, if you play Furnace Reigns, like like three copies of Furnace Reigns, all of a sudden you can like steal their Cavalier of Thorns, attack with it, <laughs> sacrifice it to Deadly Dispute, put the Furnace Raids back on top of your library, and just have this insane turn. So the matchup still isn't great, but you have a really solid plan just with that one card from uh, the new set. Yeah, I saw Alan play Sacrifice this weekend at the RCQ we went to. Uh, stole his opponent's Elishnorn, which would basically lock him out of doing anything with Furnace Reigns, had a cat in the graveyard, made a food token with something else, sacrificed the cat, it did a million damage, sacrificed the cat again, did a million damage, brought it back, did a million damage, attacked with the Elishnorn. It was, the game was just over before we even got to combat. <laughs> <laughs> Furnace Reigns is definitely the best threat we've ever seen. I, yeah, making I, a treasure token's huge. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, on this chart of kind of like all of the MDG melee matches of the past two weeks. Racto Sacrifice over 120 matches had a 48% win rate against Mono Green, which is not bad. Like looking at just the Rakdos Mono Green matchups for it, 62% against Rakdos and 48% against Mono Green, like that's a great starting place. And then turns out that you actually have like lots of other very good matchups and very few like bad matchups across the board. Yeah. All the decks you beat, you crush, and then all the decks you lose to, it's like 48%, 49% against Is It Creativity, 49% against Azorius Control, yeah. like 43% against Grease Fangs, not great, but it's not terrible. Like, you know, you a nice Thoughtseize and their deck not functioning will sometimes get the job done. I mean, this deck just seems insane to me. I don't know. I think if I had a serious Pioneer tournament to, to practice for, I would be taking a hard look at Racto Sacrifice right now. Yeah, I agree. I think the format's going to change pretty significantly tomorrow, though. Oh, with, tomorrow with is the day that the, <laughs> the Metamorph Calteration 
gets put onto Magic Online. I cannot believe that that combo just has been bugged on Magic Online. Like, <laughs> we just didn't know that this existed because it doesn't work on Magic Online. Well, CFT Sock knew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when All Was One came out, she's like, I've got this combo. What don't You're not going to believe though? it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I can't answer that. They just seem to know everything. Do you guys think that deck is going to be good? You have to call it now before we oh, actually God. have any, any games. I do. I do think it's going to be good, but I don't. So here, here's why I think it's going to be good. I think that A plus B combos in a creature centric format, you, removal doesn't work super well against this because you can't allow your creature to trigger. Like if you tap out or whatever. Uh, it's got this one or ten effect, right? Where if you top out and they enchant your guy, you can't untap and kill your guy during your upkeep because you lose the oil counter. You like have to, it remembers how many oil counters were on your creature when the trigger result. Mm-hmm. And it's always zero. Uh, so I do think it's good for the reason of people being able to just like build a robust shell around it. Um, uh, Scott McNamara won an RCQ this weekend playing Rogues, but cut a bunch of the bad cards and just put the combo in his deck. <laughs> It, and if you can win a tournament like that, I feel like there's a lot of shells you can do, like work this into, and it'll just have a lot of iteration and eventually will be good. That is what I believe. Yeah. It does seem like a good compact combo where one of your cards is like pretty much complete, like a completely playable threat anyways. So The, the inverter deck, which this deck draws comparisons to, which I don't super love because your cards are worse than the inverter cards, but one of the things the inverter couldn't do was play a, like a really good beatdown plan. Because your inverters were not really fast enough, and the rest of your deck didn't support it, and, and you like couldn't play the inverters sometimes to get aggressive early because you would just not have a fossil oracle and just die. So you would have to like do something a little more uh, down the road. This deck you can just play the archfiend and attack a bunch, and if you're playing against sacrifice, your combo is really bad against them because they can sacrifice their creature pretty much mana free. You can't really combo them off. But Archfiend of the Dross has that, like, when a creature your opponent control dies, they lose two life. And it's like, whoa, this card is a clock. Are your cards that much worse than Inverter? Like, you're you're playing a lot of the same ones, plus you have, like, Fable. Uh, so, that's why I think it'll eventually be good. Like, right now, people are just playing a bunch of garbage random lists because everyone's kind of doing their own thing without Magic Online. It's like a trip to 2003 or whatever. Like, you, you referenced Grixis, because that's the list that Seasock played. Yeah. I saw that Rogues one I mentioned. I've seen just straight blue-black. Uh, so I can't, like, say that your cards are, like, all worse than Inverter, because there's no, like, stock list, you know? That's true, because no one can test. I do... I will say, I have the tech. Anyone who's afraid to lose to this deck uh, play Churning Reservoir, uh, the one-mana red artifact from all will be one that puts an oil what? counter on another target creature you control on your upkeep then you'll never lose to the combo i think uh, isn't every time you play, do you have to say that's the titty pill special right <laughs> freed from flesh you, you they make your your guy a 660 demon. you untap you freed from flesh your guy with the trigger on the stack which is plus two plus two put two oil counters on it swing in for eight <laughs> you have it for next turn you're good to go you gave me this demon this is your fault yeah i guess we can all just scour scryfall for all will be one cards that help protect you from the combo i think yeah. i think heartless act is the one that you want though right because then yeah that's like an actually playable card that is a hate card against them yeah it doesn't help you if they pull off the combo though because right all in one turn but if they like put out the demon as a threat to like hold the fort or whatever before the alteration then you know 
Heartless Act wins you the game. Yeah, for sure. I just think the big choke point is the mana. I don't know if the, like it's possible to play. Because you want to play Fable, both because Fable's a good card and because it kills so quickly with uh, the Archfiend. So like even if you're not comboing, you can like 18 them in the air pretty easily. And But then you have the... And, and you want to play Blood Type Harvester too. But you just like can't really play a three-color deck in Pioneer. So it's like... That, that's why I do think that the deck will end up being just straight blue-black. Because uh, Dig Through Time is still legal in Pioneer, and it's very good at assembling the combo. Like, we saw that with Inverter. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I, I do agree. The red cards you mentioned, excellent. I would want to play them if I had fetch lands, but Pioneer is not that format. So I, don't, I think people will keep trying it, but I don't know if it'll eventually be, like, the version. Yeah, I, I do think the combo is strong, though, and there's there's work to be done to make it work, and then it, it will be a part of the format. Other decks that have popped up recently, most of which uh, actually work on Magic Online, so, <laughs> you know, we, we can actually play them. Is it Drake's exists now? Uh, just Spell Pierce, Fable, Crackling Drake, Ledger Shredder, Treasure Cruise, Cantrips. You got yourself a deck. All right, you both are is it people uh, that have played this deck, so please, please sell me on it. I'm so happy that Crackling Drake is, <laughs> me too. is getting his time in the sun. As someone who started playing in Guilds of Ravnica, it just feels, it's like, ah, uh, what a beautiful card. Um, I guess, yeah, do you want to explain the deck, Chris, or should I? You you can go ahead. Okay, it's uh, a classic Steam Vents Pioneer deck with all the greatest hits like Opt, Consider, Fiery, Impulse, Treasure Cruise. But instead of playing any of the other many ways to win the game in Is It Colors, you're playing a th- really compact threat package of four Ledger Shredder, four Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and four Crackling Drake, all of which are potent threats on their own, like for their mana value, but also all uh, like dig you through your deck to find other cards. So they work really well together. Crackling Drake and Reflection of Kiki-Jiki work particularly well together because they do the similar thing that I described with the Archfiend where you just like kill people with two big flyers in the air. And also, of course, you draw a card uh, for your trouble. So that's basically it. The, the big key to the deck is that the deck plays four main deck spell pierce under the assumption that spell pierce is great right now and is especially good with these types of threats because it's like such an ineffi- such an efficient card um and uh with both shredder and fable you can like loot it away when it is bad um so it's like four spell pierce and then it's playing blitz of the thunder raptor which is the the best bad removal spell in pioneer uh i think like it's two mana to kill any creature or planeswalker if you have a lot of instants and sorceries in your graveyard. And, <laughs> and it exiles. And it exiles them. However, it doesn't play well with delve spells, and it doesn't play well against graveyard hate. So it's this weird balancing act where you have these four treasure crews and these three Blitz of the Thunder Raptors, and <laughs> you have to time them in such a way that like both the cards work. So yeah, the deck's really... I think the deck's really good, but I will... I don't know. It's It's like... It it does not like necessarily seem like like why haven't we been just like playing this all along with like all these cards have been legal forever but um so far it's been performing pretty well for me so I think that so number one the experience of playing the deck and like thinking about what can go into the list was very freeing to me after like having to balance 
all of the requirements of a creativity deck and being like, okay, how do I make these gear hulks work? How do I put in the spells to flashback? How do I have enough artifact? How do I have enough tokens that creativity works? And then also how do I like make these divide by zeros work in my deck and then donate three sideboard slots to them and stuff. And it was really nice to play this deck. That's just like, Oh yeah, I get treasure cruise. I get to put artifacts in my sideboard. I like only have to cast cantrips in order to enable my stuff uh and so that that was a nice change of pace from like having to figure out how to build the bigger is it decks and yeah man crackling drake just kills him dead it's definitely like suspend one deal 20 damage pretty much and and that's very satisfying I, i i definitely want to lean towards the more compact win conditions now like if i'm gonna play is it cards it's probably either with crackling drakes or chandra's at this point because i just need something that is massive that and that doesn't like take up a lot of deck slots to do i think because a lot of the stuff doesn't actually go over the top of things better than those like crackling drake is just a creature but also if you cast creativity and you put a worm and a Xenagos into play and then they have a leyline binding, like you did exactly as much as a crackling Drake and you didn't even get a card out of your out of the deal. So, you know, like a lot of the go over the top is it things don't actually go over the top better than like a crackling Drake or a Chandra does. So I'm kinda like leaning more towards those things now. Yeah, I I think that the the deck has a lot of the same strengths that all the other is it decks have in terms of like like some of the better creature removal in the format, at least for the early turns mm-hmm. um, and like really nice smoothing in the form of cantrips, you know, of course some, some stack interaction. <laughs> what the issue with, is it decks in pioneer is that basically every single one that's existed up to now has been vulnerable to hate. If people are like, have their eye on it, like creativity and Phoenix require some amount of setup uh, and have to like deal with like either graveyard hate or like ratchet bombs or something like that. Um, lots of discard spells. But with this deck, it's like you still get all the same strengths as is it decks always have. And you have like Fable and Crackling Drake especially are just like single card win conditions in and of themselves that don't cost a bunch of mana that just like uh, do the thing and your opponent has to answer them. With In the case of Fable, it's like not easy to cleanly answer them. Uh, so... I think the deck just like is like fu- like found uh, foundationally sound, and it's not clear to me exactly like what it's bad against, except for convoke. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, and I think the thing that has made it there's so many possible decks to build in Pioneer that I think decks just get forgotten about for a little while until you know the Drake's deck has existed in the past. And it is possible that it would have been good on other weekends if somebody had actually like put it together and played it. But there's so many decks that that just doesn't always happen. But also, I do think that Spell Pierce being at kind of an all-time high, like every single deck has a three-mana non-creature sorcery speed spell that they need to cast. And Spell Pierce is really good when the format is like that. They, I think previous versions of the deck were playing things like Maximize Velocity to give your Drake haste. But what they don't realize is you can play spell pierce, which is maximized velocity because it counters whatever it is they're going to do. And then you get to untap and kill them. This is a, this is a Jerry T philosophy of ramping type argument, but I, I, I do generally agree. Like spell pierce is really, really good. And at doing this, it's also just really good at like, 
I got a mana up. Do you want to cast that fable on turn three? Like, might be really bad for you. Yeah, it's it's nice because if you have four spell pierce in your deck, your opponent just has to assume you have it at all times. So even when you don't have it, they just, you still sort of get credit for it. Most of my games that I played with it today, I didn't really spell pierce anything until like the seventh turn of the game when they were casting like their last spell to try to remove my crackling drake. And because a lot of times they were playing around the spell pierce the whole game. And then I just like dumped them to my fable once I didn't once they were not going to be good anymore. But I also was, you know, you get to a point in the game where you're like, I don't want to hold those spell pierce. I just want to cast crackling drakes. And, and then spell pierce gets pretty dead at that point. Yeah, I don't. I've been kind of quiet because I, I haven't seen that much with the deck other than results, right? Uh, my thoughts about the deck is that it looks like a good deck, like like kind of like Rakdos midrange. Like it's just a good deck, and I don't see it breaking the format, right? Not the way the Zoomers were describing, for sure. <laughs> like it's not. Yeah, I don't. Th- the best I don't think it's broken. Format, not close. But <laughs> I do think that it will have a place and is a totally reasonable choice. I think it's wild that like it it like won the super and also top aided. They tweeted about it within like forty eight hours. It had won five RCQs at least that I had heard about. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it's a good a good mid range deck, and I expect it to like kind of vanish pretty soon to be honest or evolve into something else like i think i do think the is it sweet is good like the interaction but i don't know this just doesn't feel like a deck that has like real staying power to me for no real reason i don't know it's a cantrip treasure cruise deck and i think then it's nice because that's your only vulnerability to graveyard hate but it probably is more vulnerable to graveyard hate than people would think uh because, like, not being able to cast your treasure cruises is pretty bad. Your Blitz of the Thunder Raptor not dealing damage is pretty bad. And so it, it's benefiting right now from a, a paucity of rest in pieces and stuff like that in the format. And we also saw Demilich Phoenix succeed in Athens. Just uh, a deck constructed under the idea that there's no such thing as graveyard hate and if i'm gonna play phoenix it's only gonna be in a format where graveyard hate doesn't exist so i'm going to play another graveyard threat for the full like 12 cards in my deck that are blank if there's a rest in peace in play and there's not there's no rest in pieces right now so it's fine it's the dredge philosophy if they've got leyline of the void it's not worth playing but i'm playing dredge because they don't have leyline of the void right all in. There are a decent number of hearses, I think, but hearse is like comically bad against the Crackling Drake deck and isn't even really enough against the Phoenix deck, I think. <laughs> but uh, I don't necessarily think that Graveyard Hate is that good against the Crackling Drake deck unless you're specifically a deck that doesn't want to, that like benefits from turning off Blitz of the Thunder Raptor. Mm-hmm. Like rest in peace out of like mono white humans, for instance, shutting off of all, all those things is really valuable. And like turning fiery impulses into two damage removal spells. Mm-hmm. But like blue white control, it's like, okay, you turned off my blitz my like one blitz of the Thunder Raptor I left in my deck. Um and like I'll just dump these like treasure cruises to my Fable or my Shredder. So I don't think that it's I, I think that it will kind of ignore most graveyard hate uh, for the most part yeah that's fair i think that the rest in peace is a key part of the like blue white deck playing against this type of deck because you can't just give them treasure cruises but yeah i like i I agree that like your threats your threat suite being like 
I have four crackling drakes. Like that is a card designed to give your graveyard deck game against rest in peace. So I don't know what to think about this uh the Demi Lich Phoenix deck. I don't think anybody's ever going to play it again. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I do own Demi Lich though, so like if it is good, I'm ready. <laughs> You might want to put those back in the binder. Just leave them there for a Oh, they're, they're somewhere on my floor. <laughs> Looking at the list and seeing 4X is it charm is just like really painful. I don't oh think God. I could ever do that I to didn't... myself. Every time I see someone uh, play, like uh, I follow both Casey and Kel on Twitter, which are people who are like really good about posting deck lists from a league they've done, no matter how bad or well they do in that mm-hmm. league something i really respect them for and occasionally i'll see them both play as a charms in a large number a large quantity and every time they'll both be like and this card's not playable i don't know why i still haven't learned my lesson <laughs> i think it was casey like a week ago yeah the only reason you should be playing for is it charm is because you just drafted double masters two uh, and there's like a billion of them going around because there's a way, way like there's not very many commons in the set, so you open them way more often. <laughs> <laughs> so, dear listeners, that's your that's your excuse. Every time someone catches you with four, is it charms in your deck? Just say that you got them 14th pick. Spell piercing a fable is great. Is it charming a fable is like barely even getting them. It's just like a. You also have to like work to spell to. Hooray. You have to, yeah, really. You really have to work to is a term something because having two mana open is non trivial. Yes. Very non trivial. Yes. And the fact that you can play around the is it charm by casting a three mana spell on turn five or by casting a creature spell means that, you know, obviously in the deck it is mostly used for discarding things because you have eight cards that are functional from the graveyard. Uh, but, you know. Uh, is a charm is just not very good the blue white lotus field deck blew up also during the rcs i believe patrick Wu lost only two spirits in two matches and won every other matchup the deck is lotus field thespian stage stern proctor sweepers planeswalkers memory deluge that's in which continuity and yeah discontinuity, discontinuity. It also won another RC the following weekend. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, that deck has the the results for those that care about such things or whose uh, thinking is oriented toward results. It is funny to me that it is built like 180 degrees from the way that st- like non-Lotus Field blue-white control is built. Like, regular blue-white control has like three or four Dovin's Vetoes in the main deck and is like very count like very stack based very instant speed like like every time that i play against it, i'm like how do you fit like eight counter spell like eight hard counters in your deck how do you not like lose to creatures every single time i don't get it and then this deck is all sweepers and zero counter spells in the main deck and and it's just very weird that it's like yeah this is the right way to build this one it's like three or four dovin's vetoes and this is the right way to play this one 11 wrath of gods yeah to me this deck feels like the same space as the five color decks like it is just doing the Mm -hmm. i'm going to build up my own engine and then just like crush you with all these cards that are way overrate but they're not overrate they're just just that you have this like crazy engine (laughs) 
Uh, so like this is to me the the five color deck side grade upgrade. I don't know if it's better or worse. It's just like the same spot in the metagame to me. Maybe it's just better against a lot of this stuff that five colors aren't any good against, right? Yeah. I think it's even harder to beat it with grindy cards than it is to beat the five color decks with grindy cards. Yeah, I don't think the five color decks are that good at grinding. Like they've got escape to the wilds, right. that's it. Well, it depends on which five color de- like the Karuga deck is good at grinding. Yeah, the bring to lights the the, the Karuga decks are really good at grinding. The because they have Karuga. Uh, anyone anything with Bring Delight is a the Bring Delight deck just says can you beat like four Omnaths over the course of a long game? I don't know. I think that the Lotus deck. I, I've been seeing some people playing it with uh, four Impulse in the main deck, and I really like that choice because uh, I just felt like any hand that didn't like have a unfair Lotus field rolled up just felt so like unplayably bad yeah. and i was like do you Slow have to like mulligan bad. this like yeah. three lands four spells hand but yes because your spells are like two times farewell two times memory deluge or whatever <laughs> yeah and it's like okay i'm just gonna die or you have like a strict proctor and two lands and no lotus field and you're like okay well i have no way of finding a lotus field like and so i just found myself like mulliganing to five or four and then like dying trying to set up my stuff but impulse just feels like the perfect glue both to find your Lotus Field and to find action afterward. Yeah. Yeah, I also saw that list. I thought it was super smart because the, like, that's what the combo Lotus Field version does, right? You just, like, try to have Lotus Thespians stage and, like, every hand your deck's designed to try to do that. And you're, like, cool to mulligan to, like, five or four to get those. But you can't do that with this deck because your cards are not literally winning the game once you've assembled your, like, two lands. But you still, like, need to have a Lotus Field in order to compete in the game. I do think that adding Thespian Stage to this deck was really smart because it means that it's like just yet yet more ways to make Lotus Field unfair outside of just discontinuity and Strict Proctor. Yeah. And also like maxing out and like playing a lot of discontinuities because it both sets you up and make, gives you the Lotus Field and also is a fine thing to just cast once you have Lotus Field going. The rare setup payoff mm-hmm. hybrid. Very nice. Very bad when you don't draw the lotus field though is is the cost of the card i i will say that untapping lotus field with teferi is just like oh my god the only thing i ever want to do with in magic <laughs> like so i i played against it in like one match because i just had a, a match hanging in a league from like from before the rz and then i didn't play magic for like two weeks and then i was like i should probably return these magic cards at some point so I played one match against it, and my opponent did that, and they were, they had so much mana, but they didn't have, like, any ways to interact with me on the stack. So I just, like, kept jamming things into a billion open mana, and they couldn't do anything about it, and eventually they just died, and then, like, post-board, they died to a Narset's Reversal on a, on a uh, Thought Distortion, because they didn't have any stack-based interaction, and they were just jamming gigantic spells. So... Maybe sometimes there are better ways to take advantage of like Teferi generating six mana in your end step. So I can look at my messages from CCR and like tell you the exact time that he thought distortion and access reversal because <laughs> <laughs> I heard about it immediately. That is one of the one of the greatest pleasures in life. It's so crazy that this deck just like plays two thought distortion. <laughs> yeah, I read Patrick Wu's incredibly long tweet thanks to uh, Twitter Blue. <laughs> And <laughs> well, thought distortion was like initially just for Lotus Field, 
just because you couldn't beat Lotus Field game one, or sorry, the combo Lotus Field. You couldn't beat the combo deck game one because you don't have any interaction. Your Stern Proctors also let them just play a Lotus Field. <laughs> yeah, well, you shouldn't play those out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so he said that like his sideboard is just a bunch of counter spells and two thought distortions because he cannot win that matchup game one. If he ever played it, he never wanted to lose against it. I guess as a point of pride or something. I don't. He didn't elaborate. I uh, was playing in uh, the blue white deck in, the, in a league and almost won again i like probably should have won if i had not thrown but uh i like almost won a match against lotus field or game one rather against lotus field by like getting it to fairy early and then like uh just like discontinuing three <laughs> times in a row <laughs> 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 like all right i'm gonna take another turn all right i'm gonna take another turn and then i like discontinuity at the wrong time with my last copy and they were able to combo kill me and it was really sad mm-hmm. after i'd already exiled their omniscience but anyway <laughs> That's rough. And then game two, they like hidden strings down my lands and then combo. And I was like, you bitch. <laughs> Sounds like uh, a Lotus Field player who knew what they were doing as opposed to a lot of the Lotus Field players I've run into in leagues who are new to the deck. Whenever I'm playing at the RCQ level, whenever I hidden strings my opponent's lands, I'm like, all right, hidden strings, those two things. They're, they're like, can I read that card? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) This seems like information you should already have access to, but yeah, go ahead. If you're you're playing Dovin's Veto against Lotus Field, you got to be ready for this. I I can't believe that the list that won the RC this past weekend, so Patrick Wu got, what, second in the the Canadian one? This list from this weekend is still playing Finale of Revelation. Yeah, I don't... There's no way. (laughs) It's it's the fun of... (laughs) There's just no way that that card is right. Deck must be broken if you can put that card. You can like one of your precious sixty cards in your main deck is Finale of Revelation. You still blank Magic the Gathering card. Yeah. Well, see, these decks that win on big margins are allowed a bunch of garbage cards before it ever catches up to them. All right. So before we get to Lord of the Rings, what is your your pioneer? weapon of choice at this moment like what are you what would you be most excited to work on if you like had a a big pioneer tournament coming up what's the deck for you right now i would probably be deciding between i I would probably be trying to tune blue white lotus and is it drakes and seeing like if either of those have staying power uh failing that i would play rakdos sacrifice and then i wish the answer i want to answer is grease fang because i have recently fallen in love with that deck but i think it's just too mid right now unfortunately i was talking to will kruger and the the topic of grease fang came up and he he explained to me he put words to my like concept of grease fang in that grease fang is just a born loser like it's not that it's necessarily a bad deck even when it's like above 50 percent, even when it's a fine choice you spend so many turns with grease fang losing the game and so many turns like playing two ones and three twos and hoping it, it just like it has this like flop rate that even when it's good it it is bad i'm gonna try not to take offense to that uh, <laughs> it just feels bad it's it's a bad feeling deck that's all i just really i i i think its vibes are very good even though like yes sometimes you like the deck doesn't do the broken thing or whatever i feel like the its ability to like be a grindy like mid-range deck is sort of understated however it's not 
as good at that as it is. Like, if that's what you're having to do every single round, then you're going to lose. But, like, the, right. Uh, so, if, like, I would still be happy to register if people, like, stopped playing a bunch of unlicensed hearses. But I feel like last minute people started putting Graveyard Hate in their decks again right before the RC. Dude, people love unlicensed hearse. That, that card just doesn't leave sideboards. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have a predictable answer, but I've, I've actually got three decks that I would consider playing. Uh, the first is Lotus Field because I just enjoy playing it the most, and I think it's fine. Like a, a good deck, good better on some weekends than others. Don't really have anything to defend it with. It's just what I like to play. Uh, the two other decks I would consider are based off of pure speculation. <laughs> uh, I want to play the the Metamorphic Alteration deck because I think the deck will eventually end up being very good. Uh, one of the things I I, I'm not sure how much it'll end up developing over the next week or so once it gets on Magic Online. I do expect it to be showing up in the challenge in some form or another, assuming the bug actually gets fixed, which, you know, Magic Online does not have 100% track record with. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I do think that deck has a lot of room for innovation and it does strong stuff and you get to play all the good cards and your Thoughtseize deck and all that stuff. I, I think it would will be very good. Uh, the other deck I would consider is Sacrifice, uh, Rack to Sacrifice. I think it's just very strong and good against the the Metamorphic deck. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that, yeah, like Sacrifice is my number one choice of like, yeah, I really should put some time into this one and understand how to sideboard with it and stuff. Love is it, Drake's. I, I got to see if that thing is actually like playable. I I spent too long playing is it decks that don't have treasure cruise in them. I got to get back to casting treasure cruise probably, but also mono green is just still really, really good. And <laughs> it, it did just fine this weekend. It is a, a deck that beats people and you walk around the top tables and you see a bunch of mono green decks and Pelucranos fixed a lot of the worst parts about the deck and would be wrong not to acknowledge like how powerful that deck continues to be. Did either of y'all happen to catch Cedric's streaming of the the two challenges he played in? I didn't see it, no. So he he went straight undefeated in the first one, just like won the tournament with Monocrane. I did see that he won. Yeah, played in the second one, which I, I didn't see any of the first one. I just heard that it happened. I was busy. I got to catch the tail end of the Saturday one. Uh, and I, I tried to pull this VOD up, but he doesn't save his VODs automatically. So I could not get the stream. I would have shown this to you. It's just like the perfect example of why Monogreen is good. Mm -hmm. So he's playing this match, has Mulligan to four, because can't find a playable hand. Eventually stabilizes. His opponent's playing five color, uh, bring to light. Assesses that he needs to combo kill, or, or can combo kill this turn, right? But he does not know how to do it. He just doesn't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> so this turn this turn takes somewhere in the minute of the realm of like 12 minutes of clock great and i have long determined how he wins this turn even through the magic online clock and all that stuff he could do it two separate ways he could kill with the stonebring he could kill with the filigree silex either of them work filigree silex was faster so he could do that couldn't figure those, either of those plans out uh, but he just built a board that was like large enough and past turn is like I and he the whole time he's doing his turn he's just like I know I'm not looking at chat I know people are telling me how to win I'm not going to be able to do it shut up 
<laughs> and just like I'll just put twenty power into play and a bunch of reach blockers and and, and just like proved that you know it won that game by mm-hmm. the way obviously never never actually killed them with any of the card and stuff just creatures and that he ended up losing that match and it was like the first match he had lost from the two challenges and not comboing just like didn't come up it just like doesn't matter you just like play mono green stuff and your cards are really powerful I mean half the time that you should combo off you it's just more efficient to get cityscape leveler and cast it and then they can't beat it so in the same game he got cityscape leveler because they couldn't beat it or unearthed it because they beat it the first time forgot to attack with it skipped past (laughs) his combat step and it exiled and it's like huh this was all the same game and it's just like all right monogreen's pretty good deck huh did he at least get a cure draw off of it no sadly (laughs) no cure draw wow yeah it's crazy that we spent this entire episode not talking about mono green, but I do think it's the best deck in the format. Uh, Probably yeah. true. By, by like a decent margin. I mean, it was the most played deck or like the second most played deck, I think, at the RCs this uh, two weekends ago and had like a 53% win rate or something, um, despite everyone being aware of it, packing their extinction events or whatever. There are people on the team I tested with for this RC that confidently claimed that Rakdos was favored in the matchup with like extinction events and pit the needles or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. This deck, like... I don't know. Monogreen is just was such a derpy bad guard against. Oh yeah, it sucks. Five, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> you're, you're. They cast old growth troll in game one, and you just like can't win. Yeah, yeah. I think that if I like, if you told me that if I won a tournament, I got a million dollars. If I lost, I would die. I would play mono green. <laughs> this is the Squid Games Magic Tournament later. Yeah, this year. exactly. <laughs> yeah. There should be a, instead uh, of a hundred k limited tournament, we should do Squid Games. Oh man, I hate Squid the Squid Game Magic the Gathering tournament. <laughs> but it's a it's a good indictment of capitalism. <laughs> cephalid cephalid games. Oh, that's clever. I do appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I Monogreen's great. I'm just not gonna play it. I just don't enjoy playing it. <laughs> that's totally I would have fair. to really care about winning the tournament in order to play Monogreen. <laughs> But I think if I played a team tournament in the Pioneer seat, I would probably play green. Yeah, that that would be a, a window. Well, I'd probably still play Lotus Field because my friends know I'm a degenerates, but, you know. They know what they're <laughs> signing up for when they put you in the Pioneer seat. You did just win an RCQ with... Yeah. Oh, yeah. got to keep, keep the magic RCQs. going. <laughs> well, that's true. We didn't we didn't mention that. So congrats, congratulations to Lee for his RCQ win. Now you have to go to Atlanta. Hey, I, it's, it is Atlanta. I'm not forced to go. You are. Uh, Kenny went Kenny went to Dallas. Yeah, that was impressive. Isn't Atlanta super close to you? Yeah, it's really close. I'll probably end up going. But <laughs> I legitimately tried to concede. I played against Allen uh, for the winning end, to, for the invite. And I legitimately tried to concede him twice. He was not having it. <laughs> really? That's honestly yeah. kind of based. Because Allen wants <laughs> Lee to go to the tournament with him. And Allen is going to play and rcq every single weekend so he's going to qualify so that's like i offered before the match and i offered after i beat him <laughs> i finally got my rcq dub a couple weeks ago after like being within one match win of qualifying multiple times over the first year and god it feels so good to get the monkey up we've had one local rcq so far this season and there still isn't another one for like I guess there there was one in Wilmington this past weekend that I didn't That's go the to one I, went I just to. got back. Uh, yeah, but like we, we haven't had any in the area except for the one that I, I went to and I don't know what to do. 
<laughs> but I guess we have all of them packed into like a three week period at the end of the season. I will say LCQing is not a thing I would recommend to most players. So I LCQed into RC Dallas and had to play like 12 total matches to do it because I lost in round three, then lost in round one, and then lost in round three, and then one. Uh, so it was four four bullets, 12 total matches, which meant I almost played an entire RC the day before the RC, Ugh. and I was just completely exhausted by the next day. Not a thing I would recommend. If I were to do it again, I would need to be a lot more intentional about like pacing myself throughout the day, getting enough sleep the night before, getting enough sleep after qualifying, etc. Because it is a grueling process, and I definitely don't recommend it to anybody unless you like truly just are doing it for fun. Yeah, you don't want to like fail to qualify for the LCQs and feel like, why am I in the city that I don't live in? Like, what am I exactly. doing? Exactly. Uh, yeah, have and a if backup. You, and if you like really care about winning the, or doing well in the RC, you can't expect to do that if you have to LCQ. Like, some people did. Spike LCQ'd in. He was my my bullet three loss, uh, but it kind of worked out perfectly because he and I uh, were like paired right as um the end of the the cutoff time for the last lcq so we both registered for the last lcq uh at the beginning of the round so that like no matter what one of us was going to get to like keep going and then he wound up winning that bullet and then i won the one that we both registered for so it all worked out in the end but yeah it is exhausting that's good information do we want to go over Lord? Of I know you both have opinions on the Lord of the Rings set, so we can at Capital least go o over opinions. these general uh, opinions. Do you want to? Do you want to have your opining statement, Jesse? Well, I I just don't like crossover IP in Magic in general. I really don't like that it's modern legal. Um, I really don't like that it's like a full set, and I really, really, really don't like that Samwise Gamgee is probably broken with cat yeah if i don't want to lose to samwise gamgee i don't want to say i unholy heat your samwise gamgee i don't want to say the words samwise gamgee while playing a magic tournament and yet here we are i have no choice if i want to keep playing so basically like when this set was spoiled like or not spoiled but uh, announced like two years ago i went on this whole tirade on twitter about how i didn't want to have to like f play against frodo baggins or whatever and then of course the monkey paw curls i won't be playing against frodo baggins in modern but i will be playing against samwise fucking gamgee um so yeah i i am i don't like it i'm philosophically morally ethically opposed to <laughs> crossover ip and magic and yet here we are and some of them are good and whatever i'll get over it i don't mind the crossover ip portion of it, it when it's relegated to the commander stuff because yeah. it's not it just like goes to legacy and stuff like all the fake formats right commander <laughs> legacy <laughs> <finish>. <laughs> so that that doesn't bother me too much it kind of bothers me because it's modern legal but what bothers me is the set really really sucks and there's only like sam like sam wise basically the only good card in it uh, that's like worth talking about like you can put white remand in your deck and whatever there's like a couple cards here and there i but mean white, and large, white white having remand is a very weird a, a, a thing for that to ccr hey like come on you got it <laughs> there's there's like there's like five good cards in the set yeah there's a few yeah a handful one for each finger maybe Keep toes going. if you pick pick it back up i don't mind that a lot of them are unplayable because I, I would prefer to I don't pretend see that doesn't exist. Well, so, right. But I don't want it to be legal and modern and be unplayable. Because that's what Commander uh, 
Legends? Is that what that set is? The Draft Commander set. I don't remember what it's called anymore. I think it was Commander Legends. That was, you know, draft set, commander cards, magic IP, uh, not modern legal. Set was kind of actually pretty good, but not for competitive format reasons. This set just sucks, and it's like very clearly a commander product because I read, I have two cards that I just like wrote down to display how much I hate the set. One is, I'm just going to read them Bill Finry, Bree Swindler. It's a two mana, two one, legendary human rogue. Whenever it becomes blocked, you choose one. So you can make a treasure token. Or target opponent gains control of target horse you control. If they do, remove this from combat and create three treasure tokens. <laughs> this card is not a horse. It does not make a horse. It has nothing to do with horses except for this random i'm assuming lord of the rings flavored thing but it just read this card and it's like why is this a thing and i'm like this is clearly a commander product let's look up what the legendary horses are there are three in magic two of them are mono white one of them is shadow facts which is a red white card none of them are playable with Bree. <laughs> well this is just a top-down joke card i wouldn't worry about this one at all this is just a guy who sells you a bad horse and rips you but off you can't ever do it you yeah. like can't do it. Yeah, that's why you just get a treasure every time it gets blocked. This is just an limited uncommon. And then the other one is Gloin, uh, which is a th three mana three three. It has some, you know, whenever you cast a historic spell, make a treasure token, uh, and you can tap and sack a creature to goad target creature. The, the, the actual text is not super important. It's just that it actually goads something, which is a commander keyword that's been in commander since forever right this is a mechanic you can play with in legacy but every time they've introduced in 1v1 play this is just this creature has to attack next turn yeah but it has that's weird, it does. weird text because it's it attacks a player other than you if able but the, there's no other players right other than it you. attacks if able and it has to be another opponent if able uh so in 1v1 it's just straight up this creature has to attack you but every time they've printed since goad was a mechanic and commander like a long time ago every time they've done a effect like this a goat effect it is they just spell it out every time in a standard set or a modern set not this one it's, it's the card with goad is now in modern legal are we going to see goad in standard are you a fan of modern horizons the two modern horizon sets yes so you, you're like pro those sets exist because i do feel like i would prefer that modern doesn't get messed with with direct to modern products as much as possible personally yeah. i will say that a lot of my pro modern horizons takes is heavily cube derived like i am very heavy pro modern horizons because okay, they're sure. just the best cube sets you can possibly have yeah i mean that's fair so if you told me we're not doing any more modern horizons sets or we're never doing any direct modern to print things it's not that i'm like i'm not sad i don't care about that like it's no skin off my back i'm okay if they just like only print things through standard but I do think that Modern Horizons 2 specifically did have the intended effect Watsi wanted for Modern, which was to make it a more interactive format. Uh, and I like Modern less for that reason, but I don't think that Modern Horizons 2 is like a blight upon my eyes or anything like that. So my like thousand foot view take on the Lord of the Rings set is 
The main thing that I dislike is that it's in what is now the universe's beyond frame, but is definitely just the Warhammer 40k frame, because every time I look at these cards, I'm like, that yeah, looks it's, like it's Warhammer. It's metallic sheen on every single card. Yeah, it's not a Lord of the Rings aesthetic. It's a Warhammer aesthetic, but it has been repurposed. And I don't think that they, when designing it, I don't think it was being intended for that and it's just being used for that and it makes the cards look weird i think that the art by and large has been really good and i do appreciate that this is a universe that kind of like fits within magic's aesthetics and isn't like giving me the ick every time i look at the cards the way that like the walking dead secret lair or the transformers cards <laughs> like just like could transform a card earlier today <laughs> if you if you looked at these cards and didn't like have the like greater cultural context that they're lord of the rings cards you could you could imagine that this is a plane of some kind uh, mm-hmm. which is definitely fair because all of magic is ultimately derived from lord of the rings and then shoot offs from you know it they're, yeah. they're fruits of the same tree i will say that like as much as i hate the set and the the concept of crossover ip like turning all of culture into this like muddy Fortnite blob yeah i will get over this particular instance um because i am an adult <laughs> right like, <laughs> with real it, problems <laughs> it doesn't offend me or hurt my feelings or anything i would prefer that it didn't happen i don't want to know gandalf's power and toughness i don't want to know the rules text of getting tempted by the ring like oh that's the other thing is it's there's no downside. Yeah, it's a. There's but, never but, a downside. I haven't shared the books. It's all upside. Yeah, every yeah, single time they're great. Yeah. But, like, the way that you have to pare down a concept in order to put it onto a magic card and give it rules text and give it a power and toughness, where Tom Bombadil is supposed to be, like, this unknowable being but now he has rules text okay hold on but tom bomb tom bomb card slaps yeah it it is a cool it is a cool card but it can't that's actually the only card in the set i'll forgive and and i get it like i I think it is a really cool card design and it it is evocative and it's like oh yeah that that is tom bombadil but uh, you know i guess and, and you just have to be like okay that's an aspect of tom bombadil or whatever and each gandalf card is an aspect of gandalf and not like everything that gandalf can do but it still feels like you're you're really like shaving down these giant mysterious characters who have this this weight to them and then to make a magic card that is them feels like it has reduced these like legendary figures in some way so i don't love that but yeah of course i will get over it and also everybody that's mad that aragorn's black is yeah is a racist i was gonna say the one good thing about the set is that it pissed off racists (laughs) also there's a what was the card i sent you earlier today there's a an aragorn like sweet it was opt right so it was like a weird opt art yeah it's just like aragorn with his wife yeah aragorn sharing Arwen. just yeah. being a wife guy just yeah, aragorn basically. is is the ultimate wife guy he really is although she's kind of a husband girl she's a husband girl yeah <laughs> <laughs> gives up immortality to be with her man both like legendary sisters each people. other so i think it worked you know to be a spouse person <laughs> there's there's nothing better than being in a relationship where you both simp each other though yeah 
I will say one final thing about the set, which is like piggying back off of the ring tempts you. And then it's an emblem with like four separate abilities and you have to like soul bind. A I want to stop doing dungeons. I want, I don't want more yeah, dungeon this is, type mechanics. Uh, this is actually an issue I've had with magic for the past couple of years is that uh, actually maybe ever since like alchemy came out, they just kind of went ham with all the paper stuff. Uh, the tracking just, you know, players will figure it out. Uh, tokens. Yeah, we've got those. We'll, we'll print 15 per set and there are 13 tokens in this set. Uh, including the ring, yeah. Uh, I found a cube the other day uh, that was being voted on in KubeCon that was the simple cube, right? Where it just, in this cube, we're just playing magic. Nothing in this thing makes a token. There's no monarch. There's no nothing. No tokens, no monarchs, no wishes or companions. We're just playing magic. And I'm like, oh, God, what's that like? (laughs) It's been so long. (laughs) Nowadays, when I build a cube, I have, you know, a whole another box devoted to all the 300 tokens that all the cards in the cube require heaven forbid i want to include one card that makes that like references a dungeon in some way like that's just not going to make the cube because it's too much too much it's it, yeah too much brain space <laughs> let me out of the dungeons <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm well, done with lord of the rings now though that's it, yeah. that's it. off with it yeah we'll we'll talk about it when the cards start showing up individually can't wait to see the samwise gamg decks and read out their modern playability the problem is <laughs> i think the samwise gamg card is really cool like i think that like a yeah. like food based combo deck sounds really fun i'm just gonna burn with like the rage of hell every time i have to say samwise gamg in a magic tournament <laughs> maybe the playable ones will get like universes within reprints yeah the thing is if they ever want to reprint these because of licensing rights they would have to reprint it with universes within Mm -hmm. because they're not just going to renew their license whenever they want to reprint like three cards from this set right yeah so get your samwise gamgees now it's the mtg finance yeah because they're effectively (laughs) on the reserved list your orcish bowmasters though that one can be reprinted just like the art it's so generic Yes. generically named anything else y'all want to talk about or should we should we get going let me just rehash my entire lord of the rings rant again yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From the top. this is when you start talking then we just cut you off in editing and then you know it's yeah. like it never happened <laughs> i i will say of the two major lord of the rings releases of the past couple of weeks this is the better one What's the because other one? the other one is the Gollum video game, which what? looks like oh it, right, it that looks happened. like like a bad PS2 Crash Bandicoot, but oh, you're also wait. playing as Gollum. Okay, that's kind of sick. <laughs> it it so so it's a it's it's like a ridiculous platformer where like you jump like really high. Uh, you constantly, if you ever get spotted during a stealth mission, you just die immediately. <laughs> you constantly just die from something happening. And also the entire atmosphere the of the game is just general misery. You spend almost the entire game as a slave doing things that you are ordered to do by slave masters. 
and interacting with other slaves who have no hope or purpose beyond trying to survive to the next day. The entire game, even if like it worked as a game, is just like deeply, deeply miserable, but also like it's super glitchy and you die constantly and it's really ugly. It's it's phenomenal that this game exists. Uh and and the Lord of the Rings set is a, a, a huge success compared to it at least i thought of one more lord of the rings set related things to, thing to complain about okay uh it's that the commander set is not legal and modern <laughs> and and the main set is mm-hmm. it's explicitly allowed and modern but the commander set is not and that's just still grinds my gears yeah why there's like no, there's nothing no, specifically not i don't think any of the cards in the commander are like particularly playable or whatever but isn't just, ancient tomb in the set okay i don't want i don't mean like the so yes ancient tomb and such are in are shoehorned into the commander set like they have the commander set mechanic they're box toppers they're not actually in the decks uh but the reason they're in the commander code is because that the commander set is not legal and modern so if you want to put box toppers you have to have a set code on them so they're from the commander set so they're not legal and modern why is the commander set not legal and modern I guess because we're putting Ancient Tomb in it. <laughs> I think we just disagree because <laughs> the more, the fewer cards that are legal and modern from the set, the, the better, in my opinion. But <laughs> Well, it's not a this is the Lord of the Rings stuff I want in modern. It's just like if we're making a card, a, a set explicitly direct to modern, why is its commander accompanying commander set also not direct to modern? Like, I don't understand. Like, why? Yeah, not my concern. I don't make these decisions. Yes, you do. Don't lie to us. Suffer from them. Chris CCR is... taking notes of what he should do to piss off all players off his uh, inside Watsy man. He's the puppet master. We actually just ask a magic eight ball. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for being with us today. Do you want to tell us where people can can find you and your stuff? Twitter at Titty Pills. I'm not going to spell it this time. That's okay. <laughs> Patreon at patreon.com slash tittypills, Channel Fireball, Tolarian Community College. I was on the most recent Shuffle Up and Play Tolarian Community College episode. Go watch yeah. that. Yeah. A good episode. With Mason? Yeah, one Mason Clark. We got a lot of positive feedback on that one. I think it's a, a good ep. So yeah, go check that out so that the, pro- the prof has me back for more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.